to free beers and a movie. Nice. Right. Hello and welcome to episode 149 of Three Beers and a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... And Barry, once again, the coronavirus is impacting on our lives. We are isolating at home, so we're a good 50 or 60 mile between us. But it's nice to see your lovely face on Zoom. Yes, as yeah. always, yourself included. Ah, that's nice. Um, you are doing it from your car from Zoom for some reason. I, I, I didn't want to ask why. You look like some sort of weird dogger right now, but I'll accept that you're doing it in your car because you want that fresh air or something. Well, I, I was going to say I'm, I'm going, I'm going dogging once we stop recording. So you know, yeah. spicing up my Friday night. Yeah. I mean, it's nice late nights, you can get out and about and do it early, you know, that's good. Um, so, assuming you're not, I'm assuming you're not drinking anything tonight then, if you're, if you're going out driving. No, <laughs> no, no uh, sadly I'm actually on call tonight, so I'm sober tonight, but I'll be definitely having a few beers tomorrow night, that's for sure. Uh, what about yourself, are you drinking anything tonight? Don't call sober, um, the novelty of drinking beer any day of the week has sort of Worn itself very thin over the last like six weeks, so I'm just not in the mood to drink. So yeah, just a very good, yeah. very cold glass of ice cold water is all I've got right now. Living in the the high life on a Friday night, but yeah, it feels like you know we're yeah. a week and a yeah. we're all a week and a half my moment. You go, I can drink on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night, and no one gives a shit. But now it's like you know what, I'm kind of I'm I'm past that now. I can you know? start drinking on a Tuesday or a Wednesday morning and spice it up a bit. Exactly, I mean that's what I should do. Yeah, maybe start the hard liquor rather than just going for you know beer. But yeah, so. And, and also, it's a week before payday for me, and my fridge is very empty right now. So that is also part of the reason why I'm not drinking. You know, so have to have to wait till next Friday so I can get paid. Um, yeah. So this week again, like I said, coronavirus impacting yeah. our lives. So it's all streaming movies as it has been for the past what six or seven weeks now. Um, so we'll start off. We we'll start off. Both well, actually, first two films are actually all are very Canadian based, and for some odd reason. Um, we'll start off the one that I specifically picked, thinking of you, Barry. Um, and it's a film that's on Amazon. It's called Chasing Niagara. It's uh, written mm-hmm. by Rush Sturges. It's his debut feature. And it's essentially it's about a bunch of guys, one guy in particular, who they do sort of like extreme kayaking where they kayak down waterfalls. And there's been a push to go down yeah. the higher and higher waterfall, the biggest waterfall you possibly can. And this guy has the idea to, to go down Niagara Falls. You know, people have done it in barrels. People have done it in like, uh, containers. But no one's done it in a kayak, and he's this idea of doing it. Knowing well so well, it's fully illegal it's to do it. Um, and it's his journey to try and yeah. figure out how to do that, and arranging his team together and all, and all to try and pull that that trick off. So the main guy is a guy called Rafa Ortiz, um, and he's got a, a crew of a guy called Tyler Brandt, you, you, Ivan, Evan Garcia, Eric Johnson, and Kyle Hull. All very frat boy names. To be honest, I read them out now. Um, mm. Like I said, I picked this for you. What did you think of it? Um, yeah, I, I quite like this movie. Um, interesting build up to it, and it was kind of showing. It was showing you then kind of like after the initial maybe like twenty odd minutes of them playing around in like other waterfalls, it was kind of building, and you seen them kind of putting their plan together. And I think almost all of them are sponsored by Red Bull as well, so they have like a helicopter for a lot of the shots as well. Um, so they had that going on. But then, like, yeah, I just, you could kind of see the turn in this movie when it was starting to, like, uh, just dwindle off and not really come to any sort of real conclusion. Um, yeah. yeah. I liked I liked it. You know, visually it looked good. Uh, it was quite interesting, all the interesting places they were going to. Also, it seemed an absolute fucking mental sport yeah. <laughs> as part of the like, uh, subcategory of kayaking. Uh, but, yeah. It's, I don't, yeah, 
it was it was yeah it was a good movie the ending i thought was a bit uh this is a bit shit but you know that's what it is what about yourself um can i similar to yourself i think i'm a bit more negative on it um i thought it looked the, the photography was stunning and it. it was quite amazing the shots and the angles he got like you said with the helicopter shots i think the director loved a, a drone shot he seemed, he seemed very much about the drone imagery mm. um so it all looked really cool it all looked amazing it, oh, it looked like a like one big long commercial for red bull like that red bull extreme sports thing um yeah i personally found every single person in this to be absolute pricks Um i thought <laughs> they're all like sort of unbelievably selfish throughout it Um yeah they, like they're not only endangering themselves at times they're endangering others and they, and they openly say that at times like oh we could hurt something it's like yeah but it, it, the, the, the thrill of doing it is, is worth it it's like you know they're all dicks it's like it's yeah. fair enough you want to hurt each other but not don't hurt some poor bastard on a boat who's just sailing by and you land on the poor prick you know so i know, I know. Um, they all seem like i don't think i mean did he come from privilege? Because his family on a farm and stuff like that. It seems like he came from some level of privilege. Um, so it does seem like they all have very privileged lives. Uh, I think so. I think, like, yeah, there's definitely something in there. Because, um, like, they've obviously been, like, kayakers the whole entire life. And then they've eventually got sponsorships and stuff. Aye. But it's, like, it's not exactly, like, a massive sport where it's, like, you know, sponsorships and all that would be rushing out to sponsor them. I don't know. I don't really I don't really know how the sponsorship side of that kind of stuff works, but it's, like, it just seems to me that a lot of them have maybe came from, like, at least good backgrounds. Aye. Like, comfortable backgrounds where they've, they've had an opportunity to go and pursue a sport rather than maybe, like, have to, like, do a job. Yeah. Just to try and, like, and do it at the weekends or whatever. Aye. No, I get that as well. Um, also, I mean, Red Bull must have some serious... I don't know how much money Red Bull had. I mean, Red Bull owns, mm. like, three football teams and it, it's putting fuck you money into, like, sort of, like, these stupid sports like kayaking down waterfalls and, like, air racing and, like, just all this extreme... It's, it's all sponsored by, by Red Bull. So it's like Red Bull must have... I don't know how so much Red Bull was sold in the world that they can actually have this kind of money. So I think it's just because they've got to the position because of the profit margins. It like yeah. it's literally pence to make this stuff, but yet it gets sold for pretty much more than a pound a can, Aye. at least here in the UK. But it's like it's yeah. But all these movies are all very kind same. Like the imagery and everything is very much like a like the main focal of it all, uh-huh. and like the locations and all that is maybe not so much what the person's actually doing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I liked it for what it was, but I just, without kind of ruining it for everyone, I just thought the ending was a bit weak. I thought know? the finale was one of the weakest things. I've seen. I mean, it, like, it, the end, the end, the finale of the of the of the documentary, it almost yeah. negates, it almost neg, like completely negates everything else that happened in the documentary. I'm like, well, there's actually no point in me watching the first hour of this thing if you if this is what you decide to do. It just made it almost completely yeah. pointless. You may well just show me a lot of nice yeah. shots on the Agra Falls. I can, I'm quite happy to look at that. Um, I so I was. I think it appealed to sort of the adventure junkies yourself as well. I know you liked a lot of this sort of like, like sort of extreme sports, like kind of rock climbing and the and all that kind of stuff. So I imagine it would appeal to you more than it appealed to me. Um, oh yeah, hundred percent. I don't think there's much there for anyone who's not sort of into this type of thing, or even wanting to see something that's sort of amazing. You know. Yeah. Because there's no real follow through. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's just I think there's just better examples uh, of those kind of like adventurous kind of movies out there. This one. This one I felt was just kind of, it started off with quite a kind of hook and it kind of kept you, but then you discover that 
that fella actually survives and then you're like right okay and then eventually you you can when they're talking about that other kayaker who tried like he he just didn't plan it. He just jumped in his kayak and went down the middle of it. Aye. It's like when they were talking about him, you were like, right, okay. And then you can't stop. You even work it out yourself where it's going. And then you just, yeah, I just, I, I came away just feeling like, you know, that's just a waste of however long it runs Aye. for. Like the the final 20 minutes made the, the first hour kind of pointless. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Out of 10, what are you going to give it? Um, yeah, come in low. I'm going to come in at 5 out of 10. I'm made to do this exactly the same as me, 5 out of 10. Um, but if you are looking for some pretty scenery of Niagara Falls, it is pretty spectacular. Um, and also yeah. the, the, yeah, that's like, pre- the Amazon and stuff like that. Also, it's also good. It is on Amazon Prime for you to watch. And this is a place that you've been to as well. Yeah, that's uh, kind Niagara of the deal as well a little bit. Yeah. Were, were you reminiscing when you were sitting there watching it? We were actually because like the bit there's a bit when they jump the barrier to get behind the falls and me and Joe got a picture of us like standing at uh-huh. that barrier. So yeah, yeah. So there's some nice moments. Like, oh, we've been there, been there, that kind of stuff. But um, that only uh-huh. lasted, like, that only got me through like two minutes of work of the documentary. To be honest, after that, I was still waiting for something to happen. Um, so yeah, it's just in the argument. Not yeah, yeah. Like I said, one for the the fans of extreme sports rather than for the the lay person. Um, next film, we are staying in the Great White North. Um, and this film is a film called Long Time Running. Directed by Jennifer Bakawal and Nicholas Depensier. Um, she did Act of God and Watermark, which is two documentaries. One's about sort of the reliance on water in the world now and how it's all how the reliance is changing. Mm. Um, and he does a lot of nature photography. He done one called Black Code and Four Wings and a Prayer. So they kind of they come from like almost quite um mm-hmm. like scholastic background. You know, they're making sort of documentaries for like you know the CBC. You know, like kind of Canada's version of the BBC. You know, in a very informative kind of PBS style documentaries to try and keep you over things. Um, this is a bit different. This one's it's on Netflix. It's not made by Netflix. It's on Netflix, and it's all about um, a, the, probably the most Canadian band going, who are a band called the Tragically Hip, who are without doubt massive yeah. in Canada, but are completely unknown anywhere else in the world. I think from what you, from what, I don't know who they are. I didn't know who they were until, until very recently. Um, and essentially, the lead singer no. gets diagnosed with. Uh, an, an optical brain tumour um, he gets it operated on and he decides with the band of it and you have come out and want to do one final tour and it's essentially him doing the one final tour where he's sort of saying goodbye to the country and the country is also saying goodbye to this band who is beloved in Canada like it's insane to, you know, to see how much the country loves them um, yeah. I don't really compare it to like the way Scotland is with the Proclaimers you know even if, yeah. you, even, even if you're like a metalhead or a punkhead or you love like you know EDM. If you're Scottish, in your soul, you have to be no proclaimer stuff, and you will still sing it, and you'll still bounce along to it, regardless of what else you're into. Yeah, it's, it's something in the national psyche, and it seems like this band, the Tragically Hip, are sort of that. They're in the they're totally in the national like sort of psyche that people just absolutely love them. Um, and I remember I told you I had a document. I remember reading this that when like, they played their final show, there was something like eight out of ten Canadian televisions were tuned into this one channel to watch the the final concert, which is yeah. Insane for a country, you know. There's nothing in this country we get eight out of ten people watching it. No. I know it's absolutely wild when you actually when you think about that that stat. It's absolutely nuts, absolutely nuts. And I actually, I, I don't know if it was by the end of the documentary or just like in general, but I actually thought the band were quite good. Yeah, they're, they're not entirely. They're a bit, a bit kind of black rosy, a little bit kind of bluesy, kind of the band. They're kind of be a bit yeah, kind of like I think a bit like Midnight Oil. They can have, you know, that Australian band Midnight Oil. Mm. Kind of a bit like them. Yeah, yeah. Sort of, you got R.E.M.E. as well in there as well. You know, so they're a bit kind of mix everything. Um, 
Yeah. I know decent enough, yeah. Um as a documentary, I didn't like I said, I didn't know much about the band at all. I only kinda knew the story of the lead singer who's called Gord Downey, which is a great Canadian sounding name. And I kinda knew the story behind him. And I thought it was a really lovely, well paced, well done documentary. You know, just showing this guy sort of having one last run and having these bandmates who at the very start yeah. of the show they're sort of also, they're, they're traumatised by the fact that they're, they're best friends. They've, they've, been, they've been together for like 30 odd years, 40 odd years even, and they've gutted the fact mm. that their best friend is going is to die very soon. And they're actually kind of worried about, like, well, he wants to go on tour, but we don't want to go on tour because we don't want to, like, collapse on stage. And, like, you know, 20,000 people are taking pictures on their cell phone of our best friend collapsing on stage and stuff like that. So it's just like a real kind of, mm. having a real kind of, like, internal debate with Within himself, of like, what, do I want to do this one last tour so he can do this, or do I want to, let's say, not be what protect him? And it's just, you see the kind of that kind of playing off between the, you know, between all the band members of what they want to do with it. Um, what yeah. do you think of it? I just, I thought it, like you said, really well done. It was, it was nice in a way how they didn't like kind of bog it down too much with like the kind of history of the band. They kind of left that the people who are maybe new to the band just to go off and find the band themselves yeah. it pretty much focused solely on this last tour yeah. and predominantly about the last uh, like the camp the last tour of the singer yeah. and I thought it's actually I don't know anything about this band at all but see just everything about it I thought this is a nice kind of like final chapter you mm. know I thought like fans non-fans like everyone will get something from this and I thought it was really nice. The way it was all done, the way it was shot, it was just lovely the whole entire thing. Yeah, um, I'm much the same. I think the lack of information about the band beforehand, about the history of it, I think makes me realise this was really made for a Canadian audience. It's, it's sort of a, it's a tribute piece for Canadians to watch because I don't yeah. think they, I don't think they need a history of who the band are. They know who the band are, you know. So they're yeah. quite. So they don't. Whereas, like for us, maybe what we're going to go. I'd like to know more about the band. Why are they called? It's a really odd name. They tragically hit. That's a very strange name. Why did they go for that name? You know, how do I get Because they seem like quite a bluesy band. And this guy, the lead singer, he doesn't really look like a traditional lead singer. He's like sort of up there, you know. So it's just it's yeah. nice to maybe get more information about it. But again, it wasn't made specifically for us. It's made for the Canadian audience. Um, yeah. Like you said, the, the fact that it focuses on the final tour, and then maybe the last half hour, 40 minutes is basically the final show because they're playing Kingston mm. which is like the hometown of them and, and they've all their friends and yeah, family yeah. there and, and like the crowds you saw outside the venue and the crowds you saw like in every major Canadian city and towns and everything it's just like like even little farm towns like 100 people they're all gathering in one place to watch this because it just it feels like, like a community spirit um, I mean like and, even the Canadian mayor turns up you know the Prime Minister yeah they yeah, the Prime Minister, sorry. Yeah, yeah Justin Trudeau comes Prime up at that point. It's like, holy shit, it's like Justin Trudeau. Like, like, <laughs> and he gets a phone call from Bobby Orr or something. Um, like, he needs before his final show, Bobby Orr phones him. It's like... I mean, this is so Canadian. It's unbelievable. It is. It is extremely Canadian. And I think that's what it's about. And it's probably kind of hard for us to understand it to some degree because, like, we're not Canadian. We don't get this band. We're not in our bones and in our, like, in our sort of DNA. But I think we can... I honestly think if you somebody yeah. who tragically hit for proclaimers, you get the Scottish, you get exactly the same Scottish. Like, I think if you found out, for example, that one of the proclaimers was going to have had a brain tumour, they hope he doesn't, and they were doing like one last tour of Scotland playing all the Scottish venues, everybody would want to go. And a final gig would be like, oh. it would be massive. It would be huge. It would be like, you know, everyone would be watching at yeah. home, it would, it would be saying it would be massive. And it actually yeah. made me really teary at the end, see, about when he's talking, I think it's like Taris is talking, he said he got a, no, was it like Taris or was it the, the God down himself talking? He says something like, I got a letter from someone in Philadelphia and he said he can't what a band is. You know, a band's like a hot air balloon goes up and up and up and up and eventually it'll bust and it'll fall back down to the earth a crash. And so rarely do you see a band yeah. go up. 
perfectly, cruise along, and they get a chance to land it on their own terms in front of everybody and do it yeah. absolutely perfectly. And I thought that was just such a really nice way of putting it. They just they ended their career at, with each other, not in, yeah. not fighting, not falling out, not splitting up, not just not peering out because you know they got old and couldn't do it anymore. Yes, one of them is now passed away, but they ended it all sort of like we're going to end it the way we want to end it, and it just, it's just such a perfect way to sort of walk off the stage. Yeah. It's absolutely just, it's such a nice metaphor for the whole entire thing, you know. It's, um, I did love the lead singer's um, fabulous, like, stage clothes as well. I always thought that was quite brilliant, how, like, almost every two, every date on the tour, he pretty much had a different sparkly suit, uh-huh. and that's what I loved about it. <laughs> that's what's so weird about the rest of the band are dressed quite kind of demure-like, aren't they? are all dressed like kind of jeans and yeah. t-shirts and they yeah. want to wear a cowboy hat or something, but the rest of them, he's just a guy wearing like sort of Prince-style outfits. The front just seems, <laughs> he's so, I mean, it works for his, he doesn't even look like a guy who would do that. He looks quite a, I know. He, looks like an, he looks like an accountant, you know? Uh, it makes me wonder if this was maybe like a last tour thing or if this is something no, that he's always from done. From what I saw, this is what he always did. This, this was his like sort of stage oh, presence. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. But like I said, even if you don't know the band, and most people won't know the band, it's yeah. still a lovely musical documentary, and it's just something. It's just a nice way to watch a band leave the stage with, with a lot of grace and a lot of humility, which I thought was solely lacking in the music. And maybe it was forced upon them, which it was with the, you know, with the illness to the lead singer. But to pull it off with such grace and such poise is so impressive. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. It's uh, it's just such a great. Like, I don't I don't know anything about the band, but I'm. I'll now listen to like a lot of their stuff in the last week. Yeah. And I've been enjoying it, you know? Yeah. They do so, sound like a band I, I think it, this is a good one. If you, if you don't know the band, oh, sorry, but that they, they do sound better on the album than they do live, I think, for some reason. They do sound... They, they, yeah. I, think by this, I, I think by the time this tour came around, I think the lead singer was struggling, I think. Yes. Absolutely, and because yeah. they were doing such massive sets as well, I think that was killing them as well. That's it know? as well. They're saying, like, I thought they would do like the same show every night to try and save his energy, but not. They're, they're basically mixing their show up every single night and doing like, was it like 300 songs they had to pick from? Something stupid like that. And it's like, holy fuck. Yeah. It's just like, why? Why? <laughs> Imagine being a support act on that tour. Like, how do you start off that gig? That'd be like the, be like the worst support mm. act, wouldn't it? Because no one is there to watch you. Like, no one there gives a shit about you. Would they even have a support act? You know, I don't think. I think you just go an evening with, wouldn't you? Just sort of just you for like two yeah. and a half hours. You really would just do that, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Oh, sorry, man. Uh, out of ten, I'm gonna give it a solid nine out of ten. Nice. I will yeah. give it a very solid seven. That's an easy nine out of ten. Yeah. Ooh, I'm going to go with seven. Nice, nice, nice. So, final thing we watched this week is a TV show that you recommended. It is on Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime. Yes. And it is called Upload, which I hadn't heard of. And I should have heard of it because the show creator, the showrunner, is Greg Daniels, who did The yeah. US Office. And he, yeah, also, yeah. he also did, I think he was one of the, writers, one of the creators of Parts and Rec. So it definitely felt yeah, like yeah. So I, should've, I should've known who this guy was. Um, yeah, he's there's a good pedigree in there for this show. Yeah, Um so the plot of this one is it's a world maybe it's, it's like maybe it's like tw- 10 years and 10 12 years in the future and someone has figured out how before you die you can upload your entire consciousness into a sort of sims or like so you said second life kind of world and you can live out your life there yeah. but, but your people who are alive and, and but people are still alive in the traditional sense can interact with you via like vr and they can talk to you via you know microphones and, and you just and essentially you're alive but you just can't touch you essentially so you'd be, you'd be your entire consciousness is still alive and you live in this sort of this VR world. Um, but in this VR world, this guy, there's a guy who's put in that world, perhaps against his will to some extent. He's not really sure if he wants to go into it because something's happened. And it's him trying to adapt to that world um, through 
his relationship with his previous friends and a new friendship he's making with his sort of angel who's a sort of customer service representative who looks after him in the world to make sure he's doing all right. Um, the cast is pretty much nondescript. It's um, Robbie Amell, who turned up in The Babysitter, a Netflix movie. Um, Anoy Alo, who is in Pitch Perfect 3, she plays the angel. Um, Zainab Johnson plays her best friend. Kevin Bigley plays like another AI guy, the, 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 the army guy. He plays, he's in it. And Allegra... Edward, she plays the girlfriend, uh, the, the girlfriend of the, of the main guy. Um, it's a very kind of weird comedy. So it's, it's, it shares a lot of kind of DNA with a good place. It's sort of dealing with life after death and it's, you know, what happens to you after. But it's just a very, very odd comedy. I liked it. I thought it was really mm. funny. It was at times really funny and really smart yeah. at times as well. It's sort of like I said, the Black Mirror meets the good place. That's the best way I can really describe it. It's got that kind of darkness of Black Mirror. But it's got that kind of existential mm. kind of like wonder that the good place has. Um, I thought it was a little rough around the edges at times. It, it takes kind of some plot jumps really quickly and jumps the plot along yeah. quite a lot between episodes. You can go and I don't remember anything happening that would make them that you know that they would make that work, or they seem to rush. Yeah. They seem to have a good premise for each episode, and see every episode is only like maybe twenty five to thirty minutes long. So for twenty five minutes, they're chugging along nicely. And then they realise, oh shit, we better put in more of a plot into this. So they kind of rush the last five minutes to find, kind of bump the story along a little bit too much. And that, at times, mm. felt a little bit jarring. Um, what about you? What do you think of it? Yeah, I actually, I really enjoyed this show. Um, hence why I recommended it to everybody. But yeah, I completely agree with you. I found like, the cat every now and again, the story would just like gallop off into yeah. the horizon. And you were a bit like, hey, okay, I get it. Like every episode is 30 minutes. So it is a short time to cram the stories in. Yeah. But you're just like, you know, you know, save something for potentially maybe a second season yeah. or a third season. It's like it doesn't need to be jam packed into this like first season. because um, there was enough there of the world that they could really utilize. You know, I don't I don't even really know what kind of budget this T V show had, but they could certainly have explored the car uh, like the car upload world a lot more, you know? Yeah, um, um, let 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 him kind of go and find his feet rather than just being stuck in this hotel a lot. Right. You know, because the main kind of main plot of the world is that he at one point he thinks he might have been killed on purpose. It wasn't it was an accident. He's, he's in a self driving yeah. car that apparently don't crash and thing crashes. And yeah, that's sort of like the main sort of thing in the show. That doesn't really get mentioned until like episode four of an yeah. eight episode of an eight episode run. So they feel like they really need to yeah. battle through that. And within that time, they've got, to, they've got to like sort of have that come up, prove it or not prove it. Someone investigated has inside the trouble as well. And you have like another kind of subplot of that as well, all within the space of four episodes, but only in the final like sort of five or six minutes of the episode. But the rest of the episode is more about sort of this relationship, the, the kind of core that comes about the kind of, a love, a kind of a love triangle between the main guy who's now dead in this world his angel who's looking after him and she pops in and out the world and also his girlfriend at the time who's also his benefactor. She's basically paying for him to be in the world like with and make his life comfortable now because you have a depending on how much money you've got, your life is different depending in this sec in the second life you but if you've no money, you're living a really kind of very sparse existence with a very limited bandwidth. But he's mm. all the money he's he's cool. So it's just this uh, a love triangle where like only two of the people are really aware of it's a triangle, one person sort of not really aware of it. Just which is quite yeah. interesting. But that that's the main story. That's what you should have concentrated on. And it's, it's yeah. the subplots off of that were what distracted me. Like the stuff with the guy playing the best friend, the Kevin Bigley guy, the um, 
the army veteran. He could have done so much yeah. more in the show and helped him explore the world, but he just seems like a kind of almost side character. He just sort of pops in for a minute or two each episode and then just buggers off. He's not really, he doesn't have much to do in it, and he could have been so much more. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I just, I found like they could have done a lot more by building the world and making it a really kind of interesting, rich world um, instead of galloping on with this like, story about him potentially being murdered, you know? Yeah. Because now it's kind of set up. If they get a second season, it's kind of set up that they can't really continue with this like crash investigation, but yeah. also what are they kind of going to do with all the other characters, you know? Yeah. It's almost like they'll just kind of get either left to the side or they'll get drafted in just as a kind of a bit of light entertainment as it gallops on, you know? I, I don't know. I, li- I like it. It's an interesting concept. It's different from like The, the Good Place. Yep. You know, it's a completely different look at it. Mm. Um, I just think I just thought you could do a bit more with it you know yeah I mean what does give me hope is the US office and Parks and Rec were populated by like so many characters even in minor roles who became really memorable and you yes. can sort of so I'm kind of hoping that and also what they two shows done as well the first seasons were a little bit shaky they, they, they went they yeah, built yeah. on they built on it and they became stronger and stronger as they went on um, so I'm hoping this does the same so the first season gets enough into the world you're, you're, you're intrigued by which I definitely am and then they can build upon it on the ongoing seasons because I think there's enough there with characters within the world that you could find interesting yeah. stuff with like you've got the character like I said the, the best friend who's a, the army veteran looks really interesting you've got is it her grandmother who's in black and white she seems like she's she seems fun as well. You could do something with her. You've got the, the boss yeah. lady who seems interesting. You get the boyfriend of the girl who's the angel, the one she keeps hooking up with. You get the her, him as yeah, well. Yeah. You know, how are they going to explore that? So there's so, and the, also the, the AI guy, the kind of concierge who's like a bumbling idiot. Stuff like that. Sort of, there is so much more exactly. to, to explore in it. I was just about to mention the concierge guy. That guy is probably one of the highlights of every episode. From, yeah. Especially as the season continued. He seemed to just get better and better. He almost yeah. kind of fitted perfectly into his role and just ran with it. Yeah, no, totally worth you. And I think that's the thing I'm looking at this show. I'm going, first season, decent, but there's enough there that makes me want to watch the second season. I think there's enough interest in that I go, like, I can see they can make these into something more and make it bigger. Mm. And whereas a good place, I thought the good place kind of blew its load in the first season, and it never really recovered yeah. from being how good the first season was. It felt like it, it always trying to get back to that. This is definitely mm. good, but it's got room for it. Can definitely get better. It's got improvements in it. I think. Yeah. Um, I, I like the world. The world's interesting. Love, yeah, yeah. I loved the the bit when they went to the grey market. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. I also, I do. I did actually quite like the wee boy in it as well. Yeah, I found yeah. him quite funny. Like, they could do quite a lot with him because, obviously, like, mentally, he's, like, 18, 19 or something. Yeah. But he's got the body of, like, a child because that's when he died. Yeah. So it's, like, it's funny to see him being, like, just a horny bastard. Yeah. Uh, but he's a child. So it's, like, that's quite funny. So there is, like, stuff there. Uh, but I did, like, when they went to the grey market and also um, kind of, like, when... Oh, what was it? It was... It was at the see the office party, and oh. the angel was using all the uh, the pigs and blankets to break back into the building. I oh. thought that was brilliant. <laughs> um, I like the wee, the wee boy one's really interesting because they could use him so well because they've got a like, thing with like the mother's obviously still grieving. Yeah, you know, so it's idea, you know, how do you deal with grief and things like that? You also get a big brother in that world who's like, no, they're not a big brother. A big brother's one thing, but also the best friend who you used to love to talk to. The best friend is now eighteen and doesn't want to talk. Yeah. to his, his nine-year-old best friend, you know. So it's yeah. the idea, you know, of of what grief is, and also, you know, 
been left behind to an extent. Also, it's got a lot to say about the whole class structure, which I think is very obviously that's where the film is, and that's where the document, that's where the TV show is now. So it's aiming at that sort of the idea of like the one percent having everything, and the rest of us all kind of scrimping and scraping. And and you almost, but once you get to that top level, you don't really look down. Kind of the same thing the platform had. Mm. You know, it's like as long as you get yours, we give the fuck about the rest of the people. So that's yeah. you can also explore, you know social imbalances and social injustices quite well. So like said, that's what I like about it. There's so much to explore in this world. I'm intrigued to see where the second season goes, but it has got so much scope to do something. Do you know if it's been greenlit for a second, uh, think uh, second season? I think it has, yes. Not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure it's got a second season. I think it deserves a second season, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. It certainly does. It certainly, Amazon needs more kind of, like, uh, these kind of like smaller, light-hearted kind of shows. I've I've noticed Amazon's got a lot of like bigger shows that are more yeah. like the hour style episodes and they're a bit heavy going. But this is nice. Like I pretty much almost tanked this in a day. I think it was done in about maybe a day and a bit. Yeah, we're the same. So, we're the same. But, you, but you, I think if you in fact I watched this in like basically two seconds, it's testament yeah. to the the quality of it that I, I wanted to I wanted to watch it. You know, that I wasn't yeah, yeah. pushing myself to get through. I was like, I'm intri- I was intrigued to see where it went. I just feel there is there's definitely more world to explore there and I'd like to see where they go with it. Um, out of 10, mm. what do you give it? I'm going to give it a solid 8 because yeah. like you said, there is like, there's room for improvement in there but it's decent, you know. It's definitely worth a watch. Um, How about yourself? What you give it? I'd 7. 7. And I'd really it's solid nice. 7. Like I said, it was def- definitely very enjoyable. My sister really liked it as well. She's, she was actually recommending Once I tweeted about watching it, she was sort of saying she loved it as well. Um, so. Nice. It's definitely got an audience, so I, I would give it a seven. And um, I like it. I'd like to see your season two maybe push more towards a comedy, bring something yeah. up, maybe a bit then. Yeah, so definitely worth watching. And um, that's us for this week. Next week we will be talking about Martin Scorsese. You won't be on that one, Barry. But nice. the Martin Scorsese one will be up. The week after that, we'll be meeting you back again because I assume this coronavirus thing will still be kicking around. So we're going to watch. Well, I'm going to watch. You can hopefully watch as well. Um, <laughs> the Netflix documentary about to finish this week called The Last Dance. It's all about Chicago Bulls right. and Michael Jordan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, ten episodes, so we've got two weeks to watch. That's enough to watch. Um, so it's ten episodes. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But forty or fifty minutes long each, so we're going to have to watch. On Amazon Prime, I picked this one especially for you because it's got a, a wrestler in it. I know you're, a, I know you like a wrestler doing a bit of acting. Um, Dave Bautista <laughs> turns up in My Spy. Oh, oh, fuck. Yeah. oh God. So Dave Bautista's. Why? I like to find things that I think you will like. Um, so it's kind of like the pacifier, but with Dave Bautista. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're going by Bautista's uh, past history of movies. You know this is going to be an absolute clunker to try and get through. I mean, everyone's got to accept that they're not The Rock and no other wrestler is worth their salt when it comes to movies. That's kind of, it's just a rule. Only The Rock is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, one that's out on, I think it was Blu-ray, just... Blu-ray DVD just now that you'll probably have to be looking for. It's called Color Out of Space. Um, it stars Nicolas Cage. So I'll send you a link on that oh. so you can find it. Um, nice. Nice. But yeah, that it looks very Nick Cagey, to be honest. It looks like it could be something oh. quite special. So um, it's done by a guy called Richard Stanley, who is a guy who at one point was filming a, a movie called The Island of Dr. Moreau with Val Kilmer and Marlon Brando. And basically it, uh-huh. all, went to, it all went to shit on the set. And he kicked off the movie, which went, so went and hid in the jungle where they were filming it. And he then came back into the film and, put a, and sort of like stalking the film within it. There's an amazing documentary on it about, I think it's called like something like Harvey and MP, but it's about the filming of this and how the whole thing just breaks down. Like actors turning okay. up overweight and not wanting to talk on set, not wanting to do their lines and people just falling out. It's like basically the production from hell. It's a, really, it's a great documentary all about the sort of the making of this 
quite average film, but his yeah. his vision for it was a bit more. Um, I'll send you a link on that. Well, it won't be reviewing it, but it's a good film to watch if you try and find it on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where to find us, Barry? Where can we get us? We are on all the social media platforms: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we haven't convinced Colin yet to start doing TikTok yet for us, but we're working on it. Working on it. Yes, man. Three beers in a movie. TikTok is built for Colin. That's true. So that is us for this <laughs> week, man. I've been Richard. You've been Barry, and you've been listening to Three Beers in a Movie.